Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast with Tony Maradero. 55 seconds left in the penalty, a minute and 27 seconds left in regulation time. Boston 4, Montreal 3. Lafleur coming out rather gingerly on the right side. He gives it into Lemaire back to Lafleur. Oh! The sickest Montreal Canadiens podcast. <laughs> you know, I, 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 there is a ball. Sports entertainment like no other. Rejoins, on lui fait perdre la rondelle une passe devant. Et c'est bon, c'est Stanley pour les Canadiens, le 23e de l'histoire. You found the dogs. John, you found the dogs. He found the dogs. And all together, they worked the young team to the top. And now, a 24th Stanley Cup banner will hang from the rafters of the famous forum in Montreal. The Canadians win the Stanley Cup. Brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. 8.6 beer. Intense by nature. And Lacage. If the last time you went to Lacage was when the Habs won the cup, it's time you went back to Lacage. It's gonna be sick. Good evening, everyone. Tony Marinero is still on the shelf. So enter the Hebrew Hammer. The Canadians are currently playing in the third period in Denver against the Colorado Avalanche. We're going to introduce our guest very, very shortly. But first, the sick podcast is brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Uh, they are a full leading service of logistics provider and serving all of North America driven to be different energy transportation group, uh, 8.6 beer intense by nature, the beer for those who follow their instinct and live their passions in order to make their mark as well as Lacage. If the last time you went to Lacage was when the Habs won the cup, it's time you go back to Lacage because the menu will surprise you. All right, without further ado, we're already a minute into the period. We're going to introduce from Habs Eyes on the Prize, Jared Book. Jared, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good, good. I, I mean, how did I do there? I mean, I had to get right into it because as the intro was playing, the third period started. I feel like I did a good job there. Yeah, it was it was uh, it was uh, it was quick and and rushed and it was it was good. It was good. Yeah, exactly. Fast pace. Like fast pace. Fast, exactly. You know, fast, exactly. Fa- really fast pace, like that second period, because it felt like that thing just f- flew right by. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I have a I have a fifteen month old at home, so like, it, it's, <laughs> it, it, I, if if you, I take the, my eyes off the screen for a few minutes, and it's and it's like the period's already gone. So yeah, it's it's uh yeah, it was it was a fast period, and then getting ready for this uh, journey intermission, and uh, yeah, it's, it's already already going. Yeah, already going, and the Canadians already uh, have a delayed penalty awaiting for them once they touch the puck. Uh, so, I mean, let, let's start here. I mean, Anthony Richard, you know, he scores his first career NHL goal in his second in his second game with the Canadians. Hometown boy, just what a story! Yeah, you, you know, and, and this is what's interesting about this is this is really the Laval rocket effect, right? Anthony Richard played Laval in the playoffs last year. He made an impression. He and and Laval made an impression on him. The, the crowds during the playoffs. He said it was a, a reason why he wanted to go join the Montreal Canadiens organization. And he said that he had a chance to uh, make a. You know, he saw a path to the NHL. Sure enough, he he leads the AHL in, in scoring and comes to the NHL and, and scores in the second game. And you know, 
we, we really haven't seen the the NHL effects of Laval stocking up on French Canadian local talent. Uh, and Anthony Richard might be that first kind of, to, you know, that tr- trophy um, to the show for, for what that can bring. Well, Anthony Richard giveth and Anthony Richard taketh away because <laughs> he takes the penalty. And uh, just like that, bang, uh, former Montreal Canadian Arturi Lekkonen uh, scores a power play goal. So uh, it is 1-1 between the Colorado Avalanche and the Montreal Canadians in this third period. Uh, you know, I, I, don't, I don't believe you, Matt. I, I, Arturi Lekkonen isn't allowed to score power play goals. Uh, at least that was, uh, yeah. during, that was a story during his six years in Montreal, right? You know, it's funny. He's not allowed to score power play goals, but it seems like these days nobody's allowed to score power play goals on the Canadians. So, yeah, well, uh, in fairness to Arturi, I don't think he played on the power play in Montreal, so it's not really his Well, fault. that's it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But, uh, you know, it's, it's really nice to see he's found a nice home for yeah. himself in Colorado. Just, uh, you know, what a, what a story because – he was, I mean, there's just so many great things going on in this game because, you know, there's that, there's Anthony Richard on the Canadian side. There's Arturi Lekkonen on the Colorado side, who was such a big part of that Stanley Cup run two years ago. And now, and then he wins a Stanley Cup last year with the Avalanche. And now he, it, it doesn't look like he was just a, that rental pickup. He, he found, it looks like he found himself a home for a, a couple, for a number of years. Yeah, you know, this is a trade that has the potential to to work out for for both teams. Um, there, there, it, it's it's sad to say, or, or start, like I feel I feel bad saying this, but there's a lot of pressure on Justin Barron, <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. Cause, cause because <laughs> uh, like, and it's no fault of his own. It's just that Arturi Lekkinen is showing what he was, and you know, you can say the same thing, similar kind of thing to Tyler Toffoli, who was traded as well, right? Like it's trading guys that had term you know, can come back to, you know, they're good players, right? Like that, that's the whole point of, of trading these guys. And, and, you know, Colorado definitely is not going to feel bad if Justin Barron, you know, becomes a, a top, a top four defenseman in the NHL, but uh, Montreal definitely probably needs that um, uh, to, yeah. to feel good about that trade. Um, you know, there, there obviously there is a second round pick as well uh, in, in 2024, but yeah, I mean, look, I don't think there was anybody you know, it's very similar to, to the Lars Eller trade in my mind, where any Canadians fan who was paying attention to the team knew that Arturi Lekkonen, you know, where if you went to a contender, was going to make them the Stanley Cup champions. I, I think I said, even before the trade deadline, months before the trade deadline, I said that the winner of the trade deadline is going to be the team that trades for Arturi Lekkonen. Because he just has that, he, he just felt like that kind of player who would score the Stanley Cup winning goal. And sure enough, you know, Lars Eller did that a few years earlier. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And 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 it's just it, it's it, it it was a perfect fit. He's he's a guy who can play with skill, and he can be responsible defensively. And and I think that it's a perfect fit for this Colorado team. You know, obviously with their injuries now, you know, having that versatility is great, but. You know, even when healthy, you know, having him with McKinnon or last year with Kadri, like no matter who you put him with, he's he's a weapon, and and you saw that a bit in his time at Montreal, especially you mentioned the the the, the final run when he was with you know uh, the top line of Philip Deneau, right, and J- and Jake Evans mm-hmm. at times, and um, Brendan Gallagher. Like I just feel like he 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 was never really allowed to play to his top potential in Montreal. Um, just similar to like how Lars Eller was never <laughs> done that. Right. So, um, you know, and it's just, 
it, the similarities are, are 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 plentiful, but but I'm I'm happy that he's found a place and that he's having success because, you know, he he's a player that didn't that that should be appreciated for for what he brings. Well, that's it, and and you know he was never one. I mean, you know the it's it's a kind of a stereotype when it comes to Finns in in Montreal and the Finnish hockey players. They don't say much in the media. Um, he was a man. He, he was a player of very few words. Arturi Lekkinen, uh, just like Yoel Armia is. You know, it's it's funny because whenever we worked on the ra- when I worked on the radio, we would always say carrying a press conference. You know, Yoel Armia stands up to the mic, and we go. Ooh, the sun's going to be, uh, what's the over under on this one? Three <laughs> minutes, three minutes to br- breeze through six questions here. <laughs> so he, he never, but you know, the other side of that is that he was a player that never struck me as someone who complained. It, it was wherever you put me, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do whatever you need me to do. Just kind of like the perfect switchblade for the, for the Montreal Canadians. And, you know, even, even more so for the Colorado avalanche. Yeah. You know, when you have, when you have a, a lineup like Colorado does, um, at least when healthy, having a player that you can just put wherever is such a is such a benefit to have. Like it, it the good teams take advantage of that, right? Like and and Montreal even right now has like Kirby Doc is kind of like that, right? Like no matter what line Kirby Doc is on right now, it's it's going well. And whether you know usually it's the Suzuki Caulfield line, and, but even when he's played center, he's looked um, much better especially recently um, compared to the beginning of the season. So, yeah, I, I think that having guys like that that can just go up and down the lineup is so is so clutch for, for a team that's, that's you know, contending for a cup and, and, and going to win a cup like, like Colorado. And I, I think that, you know, Montreal is a few years away from that, and, and I, I think that's the major reason why they saw value in trading Lekkanen when when they did. Yeah. And you know what, on the other side of that, we mentioned him in, in saying that, you know, there's going to be a lot of pressure on Justin Barron, but <laughs> I, I think this team is handling the situation so well because, you know, we saw him with the Canadians for a couple games. He scored an electrifying goal last year. I forget who it was against, but I remember just the footwork and he showed off his skating skills. It was just really unbelievable. And, you know, and suffers an unfortunate injury done for the season. And now, you know, fully healthy, just lighting it up in Laval and, and they're just saying, Hey, you know, just stay down there because there's frankly, there's just too many defensemen on this team right now. And, you know, you're going to get your turn, uh, but just keep doing your thing down there. And man, oh man, is he ever, I mean, seven goals, I think it is. Yeah. Seven goals and nine assists down with the Laval rocket this year. It's 25 games. Just really, it looks like the Canadians defense for the future between him, Jordan Harris, uh, Mike Matheson, uh, Caden Gooley, of course, it's just Arbor Jack. The, the, the list goes yeah. on and on, you know, it's just unbelievable yeah. what they have down the pipeline. Yeah, and I I think that you know looking at Barron and his time in the NHL last year before getting hurt, I think it's probably a disappointment for him that he he got passed by Harris and Jacki and Gooley, and you know you could probably picture you know a couple of those guys passing him, but but all three passing him, uh, and then obviously Kovacevic being claimed on on waivers as well, and, and I think that look he had a bad camp. He was tentative. He didn't really look very good, and and even his time in Laval, when he started in Laval, he he looked the same way. He didn't look didn't look like he wanted to have the puck, and then all of a sudden, uh, a few games in, it just kind of switched, 
and and he became one of the the team's better defenders and um he's you know been in and out of the lineup a little bit recently because of uh, a lower body injury he, he didn't play tonight um in Laval but but I think that you know the the confidence that he's gaining in Laval that's why the team's record doesn't really worry me because the young players are are showing confidence and 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 that's what you want from Laval right now um you know would we feel better about the Laval rocket if you know Alex Belzil and Brandon Jignac were leading the way um I I don't think so right you'd want to see the young guys stepping up and, and playing well and developing. And, and I think that's what's happening despite the, um, despite the losses piling up, but yeah, Barron's night and day from, from preseason. And, and you know, if uh, people who are, who are listening or watching to this, who haven't really seen him play since preseason, um, completely different player, you know, he, he really has stepped up his game. You know, he's working with Adam Nicholas, which is uh, a, you know, everyone is, and I think that that's. It sounds crazy to say that the Canadians didn't focus on development up until this <laughs> year, but but you know, but it's it, it's a perfect time to start, and and I think that that's, you know, it, it's they don't have to rush him, they don't have to rush any of their prospects really. They they can take their time and kind of put them where they need to be, and you know, I don't think they'd hesitate to to bring Justin Barron up, but right now there's no need and, and no room for him. Right. So it, it's going to be interesting to see how it goes, but I, I expect that he'll be in the NHL at some point this year. Um, but yeah, for, for now it's uh, it, it's a good start for him. Uh, I think this year. Well, yeah. And you know, that's just the way it goes. Like you said, I expected to be in the NHL too. He'll get his turn because eventually, you know, just, you know, bodies are going to be shipped out at one, at some point or another injuries will, are going to come into play. And Hey, listen, if he doesn't, if, if he doesn't look like an NHL defenseman right off the bat, no problem. You know, you got to look at him. It, it's, it's such an interesting year because it, we're in this weird purgatory where, you know, you want to win because of the way they started and you want the young players to look good, but also like it kind of doesn't matter if they lose because the, the expectation wasn't really high at all coming into this season and kind of getting skewed after the start of the season that they have. So, I mean, just Justin Barron is a, is a, is an interesting one. I'm very excited to see him at some point in the NHL, uh, but you know, Hey, and if it doesn't work out this year, that's fine. Just, you know, go back down and keep keep working on it. Put in the work during the summer, and I'm sure, just what with the small flash that we saw from him last year, players who could move their feet like that, there's no need to be worried about. They'll they'll figure the rest out, right? Yeah, and and you have to think he's he's you know he was drafted the same year as Keaton Gooley. Like he's still young. It's not like he's uh, an older prospect, right? So he he's still he's still in really young and and defenders. You know, it's kind of weird to say because Montreal has so many young defensemen yeah. who are who are in the lineup and stepping up. Uh, but that's not the norm. <laughs> that's not the usually it does take time in the AHL, even though they have you know three guys basically that <laughs> that, that skip the AHL completely in in uh, in Gooley, uh, Harris, and 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 Jacki. So uh, yeah, it's it's you know the, the slow road uh, the slow road has is not an issue, right? Like patience is okay. Um, you know, it's what I, even before the year started, when there was questions about whether if Slokoski would go to the mm-hmm. AHR or not, you know, the players will dictate where they go. And, you know, if the player is not in the NHL, that doesn't mean that it's, 
um, they're never going to get there, right? Like right. that, it, it's all part of development. And and uh, it's you know you look at Laval and you know guys like Raphael Harvey Pinard and 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 Jesse Ullinen, they they're all down there and and they you know probably had just as good a chance as as Anthony Richard of being called up. And and you see what what he's done so far. And you know you've mentioned players getting shipped out and. You know, I, I think there's a lot more potential in terms of forwards getting shipped out than than maybe on defense. But you know, I think that that's uh, something that's going to open up some some spots as well, and, and it'll be very interesting to see uh, what this team looks like heading into you know February, March. Yeah, and, 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 and you know, Jordan. yeah, and you know, like what what I like to see is just the the fact that you know, a trade hasn't happened yet because we we've heard, you know, through the rumor mill that, you know, Edmonton is interested, has some interest in Edmondson and that they would be a perfect candidate. And I'm sure a lot of other teams were, you know, are interested in him. And, you know, there was, there was a stretch of, I don't know, three or four days when every team in the NHL was interested in Josh Anderson. <laughs> you know, it's, I, I find with the, the, the base that this uh that this you know front office group just just set and the tone that they took when they came in it's just hey this is going to take time uh but we're not going to rush anything but when we do make a move there will be a reason for it we're not just you know making it because we have to we're going to be fair and we're going to analyze the crap out of every move and it just that's the vibe i get i mean they for all i know they could not be doing that but it's just you know um because when 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 this whole the all these changes happen i'm the type of guy that you know uh, as actually the, the, uh, just to give everyone an update because we've just been on, in on this conversation for so long the canadians are on the power play right now uh there's 9:40 left on my clock uh in the game so uh we'll see where this goes but it's just they're the the type of person I am, especially when it came to this new regime, was you know they have no reason for to not have my trust because why would they not? Why would not, the most storied franchise in the NHL not put the best people in place? So just let them do their thing give them the benefit of the doubt on some things. You know, I remember like the uproar when Tyler Toffoli got traded <laughs> and everyone's freaking out. And I'm just like, Hey, everyone chill out. You know, like they're gonna, they, they got a first round pick. They got a high, they got a second round pick prospect. Like it's going to be fine. You know, there, these things are going to have to happen. And uh, I don't, I don't know. I just feel so far, you know, with the way that this team is and how they look, I, I just feel so good about them. Uh, because at this point in the, you know, they have 16 wins on the year at this point of the season last year, they had at seven. So, you know, you're already doubling up, you're already doubling up on your uh, progression there. Yeah. And the, the thing that, that strikes me is look, I, I I'm with you. Like I, I, there's no reason to be pessimistic at, at this point with, with how this regime is, is taking care of things. But the one thing that's clear is that whether or not it works, they have a plan. Right, like everything they do is cohesive, and that's not something that happened under Mark Bergevin. It's not something that happened under Pierre Gauthier. Like it's 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 been so long since this has happened with the Montreal Canadiens that it's kind of like whiplash <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, where where like it's like wait, where you know like 
you know, everyone here, like, oh, they're not going to take Slavkovsky. That's crazy. They're going to take the center. And then they take Slavkovsky. And then, you know, what, 10 minutes later, they trade for Kirby. They Dock. trade for like, oh, Okay, there we go. <laughs> now it makes sense. And, and I think that all, all these things kind of line up with each other. And it, it's, it's, you know, it, it's nice to have a plan in place and, and have that kind of, you know, everything makes sense, right? And even if it doesn't make sense at first, it eventually makes makes sense um, throughout throughout the night. So, or throughout the, the the way things are going, like you know, getting Sean Monahan out of nowhere is a move for for literally nothing. For, for, for yeah, and a first round pick, right? Like the yeah, it's, exactly. It's for it's just creativity that we never saw under Mark Bridge. Like, how many years did he have millions of dollars of cap space? That he never used, right? Mm. And and I think that there's just I I'm not using this time to to rate to rate on Mark Bridge, but it, it's just it, it's it's a cohesive plan focused on development, which is what they have. You know, Mark Bridge and Trevor Timmons left this organization with a lot of good prospects. Um, you know, I, I don't I don't think that that need, that should be unsaid. Like it's they they've had a lot of good prospects. Um, you know, Cole Caulfield. Uh, Keaton Gooley, Nick Suzuki, those are all guys that were brought in by Mark Bergevin. And and I think that surrounding them with more draft picks, which, you know, again, a lot of them were acquired by, by Bergevin, but obviously Kent Hughes added a lot more. And I think that it's going to be very interesting to watch how, how this all comes together. And, and not only that, but they're, they're going to have a lot of players, right? They're going to have a lot of prospects. Yeah. They're going to have to, tr- you know, trade some um, some prospects that probably are going to be NHLers. And and isn't that a, a refreshing change from a few years ago when they're like, will anybody be an NHL? <laughs> you know, Brett, Brett Learnout, Charles Houdon, one of you. Yeah, be an yeah, NHL? I remember like, those days. <laughs> so it, it's it's definitely uh, like I said, it, it's definitely whiplash. But but I, I think that this is what's going to happen. Like the, they have like what six seven players in the in the World Juniors, and and Slavkovsky's not even there. So um, it's it's going to be. A lot of fun to watch these 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 prospects develop, and you know it, it's it's kind of funny because you know even as soon as next year you could have a lot more young players. Like you're gonna have Joshua Juan in the AHL, Riley Kidney is gonna be there, maybe Sean Farrell, uh, Philip Machar is probably gonna be playing pro next year. Uh, that that's a lot of <laughs> you're gonna have two first round picks this year too. Um, there's a lot of um, you know, Owen Beck could be in the NHL next year for all we know. Like he almost made it this year. It, like it's going to be a, a very interesting thing because a lot of prospects who look good and will be in the NHL are going to be passed by other prospects. And, and that kind of internal competition is good. Um, you see it on the defense now, right? You know, all the young guys are, are kind of fighting for a spot. And now obviously with the injuries, it's a little easier to get everybody playing time, but um, that it, it's good because, you know, as much as you want to be attached to specific players, all that you care about really is getting guys to the NHL and getting the best. Um, and, and that's what an organization needs to do. Well, the, and you know, again, it's just, you know, it's not, and I agree with you. It's not to rag on, on Mark Bergevin or anything, but it's, you know, you could talk about it as, you know, most of the teams in the NHL, at least, you know, it's, it's, it's changing a lot with the way that, uh, you know, that, teams are hiring GMs and and presidents of hockey ops is that you know they run this team 
like a business because what's it's the easy one of the easiest I, at least in my opinion i've never been an nhl gm is probably not qualified to make this comment but hey i'm gonna do it anyways which like one of the easiest things about the job of being a gm i would think is analyzing talent in the nhl right now who would be a fit for my team right now that's got to be one of the easier jobs uh you know among many you know it's it's not i'm not saying it's objectively easy i'm saying amongst the millions of things that they do that has to be at the top of the list of some of the easiest that's what mark bergevin was best at you know and then when it came to making trades he was one of his biggest faults you know, he made some very good trades. You got to credit him, you know, Philip Deneau, you know, getting him from Chicago. That's, you know, what more needs to be said? That was a fantastic deal. But when it comes to maximizing assets, that was a huge pitfall for him. You know, he let how many players walk for absolutely nothing. And, you know, he it got personal between players and that's fine. You know, that, you know, everyone has a different style of management, but the part that I didn't like was the, was the asset management. And, you know, you brought it up and it clicked in my head when you said it, you know, right when they took Slavkovsky, traded Romano for a pick and then traded that pick for Kirby Doc. I mean, that's crazy. This is like we're playing NHL 23 on the on the on Xbox One, you know? Like wh- who is this guy pulling a move like that? And it's just it's things like that that are just such encouraging signs from this uh from this management team that I just love to see. Yeah, you know, you know the, it's funny because that was the day that that Chicago traded Alex Brinkat and, and people were talking about Kirby Doc um being moved, but Montreal was never mentioned in in that in those in those talks like it was it was a complete shock when when his name was announced um i remember running from the the draft press conference room uh waiting to talk to slavkovsky uh and you know the montreal media were all waiting there and then all of a sudden there's whispers like romanov and people were like what there's trade and then everyone just sprints <laughs> sprints to the zamboni entrance to to kind of see what's going on and and uh yeah so it, it was it, it's it, it's fun to see Kent Hughes not be afraid, right? And mm-hmm. and Jeff Gordon was never afraid of that either. Like I think that there's a confidence in this group. And again, I'm not saying it's guaranteed to work, but but so far the returns look good. And, and I just it, it's just nice to see a plan, right? Like they they they, they go get Kirby Doc not only because he's a 21 year old center. But because they feel that their player development will be able to find the to, to to get the best out of them, in, in a way, it's it's the reverse of what happened with Jesperi Kotkaniemi just a year earlier, where they lose uh, a 21 year old because another team wants to take a chance on him and and try and um, and try and develop him because they felt Montreal wasn't doing it and the player didn't feel like Montreal was doing it. So it, it's it, it's interesting to me to see these moves being made and it's it's I'm very curious how it's going to go with this trade deadline because there's a lot of players who look like potential to be traded uh you mentioned Edmondson you you mentioned Anderson those would be the guys like the Toffoli and the Lekkonens where they don't have to trade them but then you have the guys who are on expiring expiring contracts and the, the the weird thing about that is that those are the guys that don't really have much trade value right now. Yeah. Um, so so it's going to be very interesting to see what what happens. And you know, I, there's going to be, you know, there's a cap crunch in the NHL right now. There, there, let's let's not hide 
hide the fact, but I think what's going to happen and what's going to happen with, with the Canadians is that the closer you get to the trade deadline, the more you can hide on the cap, the more you can retain. And, and there's mm. things that you can do to kind of be creative, uh, especially if they trade some of their bigger salaries out and, and they're not worried about cap space. Like they don't get, they're, they're, they're over the cap like crazy right now, but yeah, they, exactly. you know, they, they know that Carey Price is not coming back this year. They, they know that Paul Byron's probably not going to come back this year. So they can they can use that LTIR, LTIR space and and just kind of see what's what's going to happen. And look, at the end of the year, if they can't trade Evgeny Dadanov or if they can't, you know, they don't trade Sean Monahan, they might even resign him. Doesn't make a difference. They got the first round pick for from with with Monahan, so they already kind of got um, the 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 package for a rental. Uh, the Donov was to, to get rid of the the Weber contract, like it's it's cap space it, it may, means nothing like it, their salaries this year doesn't mean anything you know i'm not jeff molson i'm not paying their salaries yeah, exactly. it, doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't make a difference um you know if when they become free agents in a year if they don't trade them it's okay because they, they have all those assets right they, they have so many picks in this draft you know they're they're always going to look for options and and i think that it's it's refreshing to see an organization that's going all in in and beliefs in themselves and and i feel like for for mark bergman did a lot of good things but i think his fatal flaw was not understanding what gave the team success and i don't think there's any better example of that than following up the stanley cup final with the off season that he had you know getting rid of you know not re-signing deno not re-signing tatar you know, thinking Mike Hoffman could replace Tatar. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, not, he didn't replace Dano until he also lost Kotkaniemi and then had to trade for Christian Dvorak. Like, it's just, th- there was no, you know, losing Shea Weber and then getting David Savard. Like, there, there's no indication of, of, of cohesion. And I think that that offseason uh, really showed that, you know, for all he, what he did is he did a lot of good things, but it, it was, very, very apparent in that offseason that he was not going to be around for the the fruits of the the draft picks and the development that that he he was he was he was bringing onto the organization. Yeah, absolutely. And and you know, just to give everyone an update on the game, uh, they just showed a replay of Kale McCarr. He took a bit of a spill. Looks like he uh, had a little bit of a chat with the trainer, but he's back on the ice. Uh, you know, just. What an incredible talent he is um, as there's two minutes left in the third period. This is crazy. This is, I mean, this game feels like the fastest game of all time. Also, just this conversation is just ma- is making the game go by uh, way quicker. It's not exactly the same type of game as it was um, as it was on Monday night uh, when we had the watch watch along in the first period that I needed a watch along because that was uh, that was just uh, really bad. That first period. Hey. hey ended up turning out well for the Canadians. Uh, you know, this game coming kind of happening in a similar fashion, getting outshot by 35 to 19, but you know, the, listen, they're sticking around and I found, and I find at least, um, you know, that they've, the biggest storm that they weathered in this game happened in the sec- second period. It happened at the beginning of the second period. That that was like, wow, okay, uh, Colorado is going to score any minute here if you don't do something. Um, so uh, they didn't. So now they're still in it 1-1, as they usually are. I mean, they always, this team just finds ways to just 
always be in it no matter what. And that's got to be, I mean, you just got to think of it from a, from an opponent's perspective. That's got to be so annoying. You know, like you're at, you're the like Colorado is almost doubling the Canadians in shots and they it's one, one, you know, and it, that, that's a credit to the team game that they play, but mostly a credit to uh, Jake Allen. And on Monday night, a, a huge credit to Samuel Montembeau. Yeah. You know, goaltending was probably the, the biggest reason why they finished last last year, right? Like uh, how many games did they, you know, uh, Dominic Ducharme gets a lot of blame and, and I'm not here to absolve him of, of much mm. of that. But at the same time, how many times last year were they down to nothing five minutes into a game? Right? Like, <laughs> I, it, like I, I feel like they, they got scored on in bunches and, you know, the first few shots of a game, and and how do you how do you bounce back from that when it happens all the time? Like it's it just felt like the first ten minutes of every game they were down to nothing, and mm-hmm. and that's that's hard for a team to deal with. And you see it this year when when Allen or Montembeau and more more Allen I guess because Montembeau has been playing better than than Allen this year. But Allen's had a up and down season. Uh, when when he's off, you know, there's not much that you can do to to to. To to, to to help bad goaltending, right? Oh, like yeah. it, it, you can't you can't do anything about that, and so I, I think that getting good goaltending um, that they're getting now is you know you can talk about Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield and and the points and goals that they're putting up, but but the goaltending is probably the factor of why they're not battling for last place because there was no way it was going to be as bad as it was last year, and yeah. I- no, I, I I completely agree. There's no way. I mean, ju- just to go back to the to the Dominic Ducharme thing, just for a second, quickly, because you know, there there was a lot of things wrong with the team first uh, before the coaching. But you know, it, again, just a stark difference between this year and last year. And I, and I get it. I, I mean, Dominic Ducharme said at least that his mandate was to coach to win, and th- and that's fine. You know, if that's your mandate, you're going to coach a certain style. Uh, you know, Martin St. Louis, for example, his mandate is not to win right now. It's to develop the, it's to develop the players. But to me, I mean, there, there is still some sort of level of accountability you have to take. And, you know, I've spoken to a couple of people that have said that, that have pinpointed their moment as this game is actually going to three on three overtime, probably the two, well, the two of the, two of the most more entertaining teams <laughs> to go see in three on three. So that's going to be fun. Um, but, you know, the, the the moment that I pinpoint, you know, I've heard when it was, you know, Josh Anderson saying it's not fun to come to the rink anymore, and just, you know, you know, Jeff Petrie constantly moping in front of the in front of the camera, you know, you he clear he clearly was not enjoying playing hockey, but to me, the kiss of death for this team, where I laugh, I was literally laughing in my car listening to his press conference when he, the Canadians played the Edmonton Oilers. I think they lost like six to one or seven to one. I know this is going. And the comment that he made was he was asked, you know, I mean, just how do you evaluate this performance tonight? And he goes or something along the lines of that. And I'm going to paraphrase what he said here, but I think I got it spot on is he said, well, if you told me before the game that we would have held uh, Connor McDavid to uh, two shots on goal and no points, say we did a pretty good job. And I'm just like. Man, you just got smacked seven to one. Like, what are we talking about here? You know, like to me, that was the moment where I said, okay, this guy's lost it. He, he doesn't, 
I mean, I'm not going to say he doesn't care anymore because, you know, you, you got to care to be in this league at any level. But like, that's when I was like, okay, this guy's, uh, he's, he just lost this room because you can't yeah. say that after you lose <laughs> six to one. Yeah. And you, you mentioned, you know, that he was mandated to win and yes, that might've been true. And maybe, you know, the communication wasn't there when, you know, Jeff Gordon took over. Uh, again, we're not we're not in the room. We don't know what's what's going exactly. on. But having said that, what I, I can't think of one thing that Dominic Duchamp tried to get the team to win more games. I, I literally cannot think of one thing. And and you mentioned it, like the, going into January with seven wins, like you have to try things to. Like, <laughs> yes, yes, there were injuries. Yes, there were issues. But there was nothing that was being tried system wise or anything that could be like, Oh, you know what? He's trying to do something. And, and I think that that was as big a flaw as anything. Like, you know, it, it's kind of like that, that Simpsons meme where it's like, we, we've, we've tried nothing. We're all out of ideas. Um, and that, that's kind <laughs> of how I feel with how, how Dominic Ducharme uh, ended his tenure. And it, it's, it's kind of weird because I was, a, I was a fan of Ducharme's. I, 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 I covered him, um at, at a couple of world juniors uh in, during during the camps that were, were in montreal and you know you got to get an appreciation for him and it, it just it just didn't click and and you know some of that is maybe what's come out afterwards and that people didn't really uh want him to be the coach uh in that room and, and things like that and you know that's all speculation but at the same time you know it, it's it doesn't take a coaching genius to try something else when your team is exactly. has won seven games yeah. by January. Like, like I, I, that, that's the biggest thing is like, he didn't try anything. It, it was just trying the same thing over again or putting Caulfield on the fourth line again. Like, no, it, it wasn't working. And, and, and I think that's the biggest thing is that once Martin St. Louis took over and, and you see it this year as well, is that even when things aren't working out, they're at least being, there's there's attempts of things happening, mm -hmm. right? Like, and, and there's you know, a level of accountability, you know. Like yes. they, they come out yeah. and they stink up the room. They're gonna, you know, he's he nipped it in the butt. He said, like, we can't do that. We cannot go out there and play like that. Uh, let, let's just table the conversation because the three on three is underway. <laughs> um, you know, some good some good talent on the ice. Arturi Lekkinen is now on the ice for the uh, for the Avalanche. Uh, the Canadians started with at least uh, Suzuki, Caulfield, and Gooley, which uh, you know that's just you, you want to talk to future right there and just wow, what a move by Jonathan Drouin there. That's a great attempt uh, to no uh, to no avail, but you know you got to love that effort. Um, you know, as the Canadians are now caught and I don't know where you are on your stream, but uh, I don't want to ruin it for you, but I will. Uh, the Canadians just lost on a two-on-one. Uh, Devin Taves scores the winner. Uh, no, it was Miko Rantanen. So uh, there you go. Uh, Canadians lose um, in overtime. Again, just one of those games. One of those games where they hung around, they managed to steal a point, and, and you know, standings aside, this is, who, who cares? You know, they're pretty much, they're out of the Bedard race. Like, forget about Bedard. At this point, it's a pipe dream to at least, I mean, they're not, they're not really out of it because, you know, anyone could win the lottery, but right. you know, just forget about trying to get the best odds for him at this point. It's not going to happen. They're too far ahead of the curve right now. I I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it just because 
there's trust in the process in the way that they are doing things and that's got that that this game has got to give confidence in the room i don't care that you know they were riddled with injury and Nico Rantanen was the premier player and he's a fantastic player it's nothing against him uh you know he's the premier player on this team right now but you just went toe to toe with the Stanley Cup champs you brought you forced them into overtime where you know you're one bounce away from stealing a victory yeah and, and you mentioned Jonathan Drum I mean you know he was a couple of inches away from from scoring a goal the goal was you know the puck was basically on the goal line um, yeah, and look, th- that's the whole thing is that, and and you kind of see the standings taking shape. Montreal is going to probably be in the bottom seven or eight teams. They're going to have a top ten pick, at least one. You know, who knows where Florida's mm-hmm. pick is going to end up as well, right? So, I, I I think that in this draft, being in the top ten is perfectly fine. I I don't think that you know it's not like they're going to be fit, picking like fifteen, sixteen, um, in, in with their pick. And just missing the playoffs and and in that kind of like limbo zone, I yeah. think it's very. I think it's pretty clear they're going to be in. You know, it depends on teams like Vancouver and Nashville and where they end up as well, obviously. But but I think Ottawa is going to pass them. I think Buffalo is going to pass them. Um, and, and I don't think that Montreal is going to be able to to get back up there. So it's going to stabilize. They'll be in the bottom seven or eight, and that's perfectly fine. Like, the, you know, that, that's that's not too good. You know they still have an, a decent shot at the lottery as well. Uh, it, it's I, I you know look, I, I've said it before. Good teams find good players, <laughs> no matter where mm-hmm. you pick in the first round. Like you know, like Tampa has been drafting in the bottom part of the round for for years, and they still find good players. Like good good organizations find good players. You know, uh, Montreal is a good example of that last year, right? Getting uh, Owen Beck, Lane Hudson. Uh, in in the second round, like good teams find good players, and and Montreal just hasn't really done that in 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 in, in the past. So, um, but but you know, uh, look at the lineup now. Cole Caulfield was 15th overall. Keaton Gooley was 16th overall. Like y- you can you can hit on those picks. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Matt Barzell was a mid round mid first round pick. Like these players are there. It's just a matter of of getting picking the right ones and. Um, well- well, just to jump in, you know, like look no further. The Canadians, I mean, unfortunately for Mark Bergevin, did it, you know, in the last couple of years of his of his tenure in Montreal because, you know, Caden Gooley, 16th overall, Cole Caulfield, 15th overall. These players are out there. So, you know, while you're not going to get the the generational talent that that is going to be, uh, you know, uh, Connor Bedard and Adam Fantilli, uh, Michkov, whatever, man, it's, you know, the Connor McDavid hasn't won a Stanley Cup yet. Neither is Leon Dreisaitl, and they play on the same goddamn team. So, you know, like it's it's sure it helps, but like look at Austin Matthews. He he pulled the, the he pulled the Leafs forward what three four years out. You know, they probably had three four years left in that rebuild. They got first overall, pulled them out of it. They still haven't been able to find their way out of the first round. So. It just nothing's a guarantee. It's 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 a team sport for a reason. And like you said, the good teams will find the good players. And you know, you mentioned the name of Lane Hudson. He is just ripping it up right now in college hockey, and that's that's a fantastic thing to see. You know, it's funny that he had the uh, he had to mention that his bones were still growing in the uh, in the draft uh, in his draft interview. I I, I thought that was funny, but you know, it, it's just it's nice to see that. They're 
again, they're just on the right track. This team will find good players. Yeah, and it's only finding good players. It's also developing the players you do find to the best of their abilities. And and I think that that's something we haven't even seen yet. Um, the, the benefits of Adam Nicholas and Marie-Philippe Poulain and and you know Scott Pellerin and and the the player development group that is going to be such a huge asset in terms of skills development and and you're seeing it already with Yuri Slavkovsky with just the improvements that that he's showing uh this season um specific things he's working with Adam Nicholas on that he's showing in games and, and I think that that is the that's that's the the, the thing that that's going to make things e- even better is that you know, yes, they have all these prospects. They're they're coming up, and you know, like I mentioned, you know, the the Roas and the kidneys are are going to turn pro soon. And it's not only getting those those first round picks to hit, but also like the Canadians. The only prospects to really succeed in Montreal were the ones that could not fail, right? Nick mm-hmm. Suzuki, Cole Caulfield. Uh, I mean, that's like Carey Price, I guess. <laughs> you know, well, those, I mean, those... I, I mean, and you could take you could kind of take Nick Suzuki out of there because he wasn't drafted by the Habs, right? No, so no, but, but but I mean, he, he was developed by them, right? Like he right. he he and his Barry Kotkaniemi kind of were were on the same path, and one went one way and one went the other, and and you know, having specialized development paths is going to be useful as opposed to just you know basically was was sink or swim. For, for for a long time. You know, Alex Galchenyuk was the same way. You know, Alex Galchenyuk scored 40 goals in the NHL or 30 goals in the NHL. He was a 30-goal scorer. That Bad players don't score 30 goals in the NHL. Yeah, exactly. And then just, you know, Jesperi Kakinyemi, his first year was very good. But what what didn't happen? No improvement. They, they did, they hmm. for whatever reason... He couldn't. They either whether it was the player or the direction of the um, the developments team, they just never can get them to take the next step. And I think what you're seeing here is a focus on helping players, even in the NHL, uh, developing and 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 growing. And and that's what that's the that's what teams do now. And and it's it's uh, it's refreshing to see the Montreal Canadiens focus on that. Yeah, it is. And, uh, you know, what was really refreshing was this conversation because I feel like we could keep it going all night. But uh, <laughs> we, 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 I, I just I, I love that. I loved our conversation tonight. And I, I, I look forward to uh, chatting with you again at some point because, I mean, I, I, we hit it off right away. You know, we didn't even get we didn't even get to chit chat before the show started. And uh, we just uh, off we went, you know, one minute into this period. So, uh, Jared, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, but before I let you go, just tell everyone uh, what you're up to and where they can find your stuff. Yeah, haveseyesontheprize.com um, is uh, is the website. Um, we have a great group, um, and you know, focus. The, the World Juniors are starting up. We'll have a lot of coverage of that. Obviously, the the Canadians and the Rocket uh, and stuff like that as well will, will continue to happen. So, yeah, the the website is uh, is, is uh, getting ready to be. Uh, it's our busy time of the year <laughs> between World Juniors and uh, and the January uh, starting up. It's it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be fun. Wonderful time to be a sports fan. The World Cup just <laughs> ended, and uh, you're getting World Juniors right after. Jared, thanks a lot for joining me, and uh, have a great rest of your night, and happy holidays. Thanks for having me. Happy holidays. All right, that was Jared Book. Now it's time for You Called. You Called. You called. Presented by Playground.
Cold is brought to you by Playground, your premier gaming destination, just located just over the Mercier Bridge, only minutes from downtown Montreal. All right, uh, Sammy Nanyello, pop a question up for me, and uh, I'm going to give it my best shot here. So this one's from John on Facebook. Uh, do you think the regime will win the Stanley Cup? This regime will win a Stanley Cup. Truthfully, you know, listen, I, I, I always said I'm a Montreal Canadiens fan. And, you know, even when I worked in uh, professional media, I never shied away from that. I, I think I think that, uh, you know, being brought up in this city, watching the Canadians every day, uh, 82 games a year for 25 years of my life, you can't just take away being a fan. It's kind of in my DNA. So I'm going to try to answer this objectively as possible, as objectively as possible. But I, I really think they will. And, and the reason why I think they will is because they're going to have time to do it. And even if they, you know, even if, if, if Jeff Molson said, you know, you got three years to turn the ship around, then not so much. I, I wouldn't have confidence because that's, that's from the top. That's all the way at the top. But it looks like Jeff Molson is going to be incredibly patient with this group of uh, this duo of Kent Hughes and uh, Jeff Gordon. And I think that they're going to do great things. I mean, you're seeing the fruits of the labor right now of Jeff Gordon in New York. And, you know, the New York Rangers are one of the best teams in the NHL that, you know, they, they went on a little bit of a playoff run last year. You know, it's just, it's incredible to watch. And, you know, the deals that he pulled off, you know, Jeff Gordon was able to bring Mika Zibanejad over to New York. And he's just one of the, he's frankly, uh, you know, top 20 player. And that's probably me being a little, a little, you know, generous, you know, I could probably even go sharper and say top 15 player in the NHL. So, I have a feeling those moves are coming. You know, we we saw a move already in bringing in Kirby Doc. It's bringing a lot of success right now. I know everything's lovey-dovey right now, and, and it's easy to say yes that the, and just say yeah that for sure they're gonna bring they're gonna bring a cup here because you know we're the Montreal Canadiens. That's that's what they do. They win cups. Well, they haven't won a cup since I've been alive. So, uh, you know, I really do have a deep belief in this ownership group, or I shouldn't say ownership group, I should say management group, uh, deep, deep belief in them. And I really like what they're doing. And, you know, it's just going to be, it's going to take time. You know, Nathan McKinnon was drafted first overall, I think, you know, 2014 or 2015, and he won his first Stanley cup in 2022. So, you know, these things take time and, uh, just be patient and, you know, good things are going to happen. And as a side note, I did make a lifetime bet with a friend who is a Sabres fan. And uh, I bet him $1,000, $1,000. We, we have it in the notes app in the phone that we bet $1,000 that I said the Canadians will win a Stanley Cup before the Buffalo Sabres. And he said, nope. The Buffalo Sabres are going to win a Stanley Cup before the Montreal Canadiens do. So that's how much belief I have in this uh, management group. All right, next question. I don't know about New York. Did Gordon really have anything to do with Fox or Panarin? Uh, or was it that they just wanted to play there? Everyone is high on this group. I'm neutral, I think, still. And and you know what? That's completely fair. That's completely fair. You know, we just went through... I think it was nine, eight or nine years of Mark Bergevin when, you know, at the beginning, it was very lovey-dovey. And, you know, he, he Michel Terrier, when he was brought in as coach, Canadians looked pretty good. And then they looked not so good, but then they looked really good again. You know, it's completely fair. 
Uh, and, you know, did those guys just want to go play in New York? Also entirely possible, you know, but there's no real tax benefit to playing in New York, you know, like Florida or, or anything else. So, or any other uh, Southern state. So I, I sure, maybe they wanted to go play in a big market team, but Panarin, I mean, he, he played in Chicago. He, he played in a big market. So, you know, the Canadians are one of the biggest markets in the NHL. Yeah. They're in Canada and yeah. And our winters are freezing, but I, I don't know. I think, you know, it's up to, uh, you know, for a college, for a college player like Adam Fox for a second, you know, that's up to the, to the management team to, you know, show off the goods of the organization as it is with, with a free agent, show off the goods of the organization and, and everything's situational, but a young player, you got to sell to that young player that not only uh, are we on the right track to winning a Stanley cup, but you're going to be a part of that. And we're going to make you a centerpiece to, as a part of that. So that's why probably why Adam Fox went to New York. Probably maybe there were other outside connections to Hughes and Gordon. I don't know. These guys seem to know everyone in the business. So uh, it's, it's a fair point. I, I respect it that you're neutral right now because we're, we're only a, a year into this thing. So, you know, com- completely understandable that you're neutral and they haven't grown on you yet and they haven't earned your trust. Uh, let's go. Next question. Why Hoffman and, and Jonathan drew out there? Uh, that was uh, during the overtime. I saw that comment come in from Kev. Uh, listen, uh, they started off with Cole Caulfield, Nick Suzuki, and, um, and Caden Gooley. They rolled out uh, Kirby Doc. I didn't really see who he was playing with when Doc was on the ice. You just got to roll your talented players. And hey, Hoffman scored on Monday in overtime. So, you know, you can't just play Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield for the entire three on three. You know, your legs go pretty quickly when you're skating back and forth up the ice. You got to play your guys. That's just what it comes down to. And hey, in space, we know that Drouin is one of the most skilled players in the NHL. And we know that in space, if you give him time, Mike Hoffman is going to pick his spot and just rifle one into a corner because uh, he has a fa- just a phenomenal shot. You know, that overtime goal that went in uh, on uh, Monday night, 87 miles an hour on a on a snapshot. You know, that's crazy. A lot of players can't even hit that on a slap shot, let alone a snapshot. So uh, that's why they're out there. You just got to play your guys. Uh, Tony, uh, t- Tony, uh, Sammy and Yellow, pop another one up for me. Uh, do you think Martin St. Louis will be the same type of coach once they need to start winning? That one's from Ethan. I love this question. And I'm going to tell you why I love this question. Because I agree with you. His mandate isn't to coach. And that's when that question popped up when Jared and I were talking about, you know, the different mandate uh, between Martin St. Louis and, uh, and Dominic Ducharme. The reason why I love this question is because this is an incredibly young team. You know, the, his mandate is to uh, develop the players and help them along. Well, again, I, I always say it. I've said it the past two or three times I've been on, I've been on the air, you know, talking to you guys is that, Martin St. Louis is growing with this team as well. They're learning how to win. He's learning how to win. But, you know, he knows how to win as a player because he's won it all. And he almost won it all twice. He almost won it again with New York near the tail end of his career uh, when they knocked the Canadians out of the third round. And I think it was in 2014. So, um, yeah, he, he's going to be the right coach because this uh, this locker room answers to him. Uh, the only thing is, is a raw, raw guy can get 
very old very quickly, but I think he's managing that well, and we're seeing that now. You know, we're uh, we're kind of seeing that we're, we're 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 seeing that you know he while the Canadians lose, he doesn't care that they're losing. He cares in the fashion that they lose. And we saw that a bunch of games. It started with the game against Ottawa. He got pissed off and spoke to the media the way he did about the refereeing, but then they lost again against LA. And then he went out and then he, uh, or they lost the, the next night. And then when they lost against LA, he got frustrated and he said, this is, the way we're losing is unacceptable. Then they lost to Tampa Bay again, just unacceptable behavior. And when you're be- when you're holding players accountable, you're you're still uh, you're that guy. You you are that guy. And he wasn't just brought in to be a stopgap coach. I, I think uh, he's going to be here for a while. You know, when this team is ready to win, and they start winning games, and they start making pushes to the playoffs, and uh, you know the 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 management group feels like they're underperforming, then we'll have a bit of an issue. But until then, he's going to grow with these players. And uh, I think they're building a good thing right now. And I think he is the right coach, uh, even when they are ready to start winning. All right. Uh, we got time for maybe one more. So uh, let's let's pick one here. Uh, I just wish, wish Hudson uh, had a right shot. All are good, D, uh, but they're all lefties. Right. Uh, so... I don't know. I, I was never really one to buy into this. Like, listen, I'm not a coach. Uh, so frankly, I, and to be honest with you, I never really played hockey because I never learned how to skate. Um, so I don't know. I just, I, I don't, I, I feel like we put too much stock into this lefty, right, left shot, right shot kind of thing. You know, the player will play on the side. He's more comfortable playing on. And, you know, just, that's what it is. You know, the, the player will play it. The, the coach is going to recognize uh, whoever the coach is will, will recognize what their strengths are. And, you know, if they can play on the left side, even though they're, you know, they're left, left shot or right shot or however it's done. I, I really, I don't think that makes all that much of a difference. You know, really all this lefty righty talk, kind of the uh, left shot, right shot kind of, came into talks when, you know, Babcock was in Toronto and he was doing that because he did that with Team Canada in 2014. Before that, we were, we didn't really hear any of that talk. So I don't know. I, I don't think uh, that 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 is uh, too important. If you could play the game, you could play the game. Uh, one more. We got time for one more. Uh, so let's, uh, let's do this thing. Uh, Tony Black on Facebook says, do you prefer them losing and getting a higher draft pick? I mean... Sure. Yeah. I mean, on, on paper, if they're going to be in every game and then lose every and, and lose them and, you know, get a higher draft pick, that's uh, that would be fine and dandy. But like Jared and I were talking about good teams, find good players. You don't need a generational talent on your team uh, to win a Stanley cup. They, they probably general generational talents will win a Stanley cup, but let's not pretend like they didn't have a great supporting cast around them. You know, like, uh, you know, Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin, when they won their first Stanley cup, you know, that team, it wasn't just them two. Yeah. They both had, you know, a hundred plus points or whatever it was, but they also had Dan Bilesma, who was one of the best coaches in the NHL at that point. And they also had Marc-Andre Fleury, who was, Right now, he's well, he's a Hall of Fame goaltender and he was playing at the top of his game. You know, they had a young Chris Letang, uh, who was one of the most prolific scoring defensemen in the NHL. 
you know, good teams will find those good players and, and it doesn't always have to be the generational talent. You know, you, you don't got to look any further than, you know, again, we said it before and we'll, we'll, you know, I'll say, I'll say the names again, you know, Cole Caulfield was a, was a 15th uh, overall pick and Caden Gooley was a 16th overall pick. Arbor Jack, I looks like a really good player. He, I, I think he was undrafted. So you don't really need all those, uh, generational guys to uh, to to win a Stanley Cup. Sure, they help. They're nice, but I don't know. I don't think you. Uh, I don't think it's absolutely necessary. Would it have been nice? Yeah, but also I think what we're seeing on the ice is a lot more encouraging than than prospects. I think a lot of people get really excited about prospects, and rightfully so when the word generational talent gets thrown around. But uh, you know, the Canadians got a really good thing going for them right now, and, and I think that the the better path to success right now would be to just continue on the road that you are, build that pool, keep bringing in talent, develop that talent. And, and that's, that's winning the right way. In my opinion, at least, you know, uh, the, you know, a Connor Bedard could fast track you. Sure. But a fast track could also lead you off the track that you're on. Uh, so I don't know. There's different ways of building teams, but uh, yeah, again, to, just to bring it all back, it would be nice if they were in all these games and would lose all of them. Sure. But uh, I think it's encouraging that they're winning games in the fashion that they are and in the volume that they are. Uh, so that's just about going to do it for us. Uh, just one last uh, reminder. So shop all your sports licensed lifestyle apparel, including hoodies, caps, and tees of your favorite teams from all major leagues, as well as our sick merch at sportsbuffshop.com. Use code SICK10 for 10% off all of their items. Look at this sweater. This thing is clean. Hold on. Let me get you on this side. This thing is clean. It's comfy. Sammy and Daniello, you guys did a great job with the design. I like it. It's it's classic. It's comfortable. I don't just wear it when I'm on the podcast. I wear this out and about because it's a comfy sweater. It's warm. It's good. So uh, yeah, use the code SICK10 all, uh, to get 10% off all of their items. That's going to do it for me. Uh, Tony, again, you saw the report out. You saw the injury report out day to day. So he might be back tomorrow. You might have me again. I don't know. So uh, we'll see tomorrow night. We'll see what tomorrow brings. But uh, that's it for me tonight. Uh, enjoy the rest of your evening. And uh, we'll catch you again later. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Tony Marinero on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. 8.6. Intense by nature. And La Cage. If the last time you went to La Cage was when the Habs won the cup, it's time you went back to La Cage. The menu will surprise you.